0: You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast with
1: Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths.
0: Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 podcast studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone podcast alongside Mike Chapel, I'm Dave Griffiths. Joe Hopkins on the board here as well. I want to start this podcast off. We're going to dive deep into the cold schedule this week, Mike, but I want to start with a gigantic thank you to a circuit judge in Florida who is delaying the release of the Robert Kraft video. Thank heavens we do not have to see that yet.
2: Back when I was watching, you watch episodes of Friends, and Phoebe sees somebody across the way, a naked guy, and all she says is, my eyes, my eyes. Uh, My eyes will start bleeding uh, if you see it. But yes, uh, uh, thank you. But, but it's going to get out there. You know it is. Yeah. It's a temporary mercy. And, and, and then people say they won't watch, and you'll, you'll watch through your fingers. Mm-hmm. But uh, I understand Robert Kraft and his lawyers doing everything they can to prevent it. But it's going to be like the sun coming up every morning. It's going to happen. We're just going to see people's uh, ability to, to not watch that train wreck.
0: One week away from the NFL draft as we film tape this podcast. Uh, 21 years ago, Mike, the NFL draft was a rather important one for the Indianapolis Colts, for the city of Indianapolis, for the NFL as a whole. 1998. We're taping on Wednesday. On this date, 21 years ago, the Colts drafted Peyton Manning number 1 overall when the NFL draft was a bit earlier in the month of April. And gosh, we've been talking about that man in Indy ever since. It is Thursday, by the way, though. It is Thursday because I'm stupid. It <laughs> just, is not Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you, Joe. I, I, I've been screwing this up all like, like little things
2: like that. Like when, yeah. when you miss a day, you're chasing the entire week. It's and, true. and you're messed up.
0: Yeah, and, and I kind of am right now.
2: But, but it's really crazy to think it's been this that long ago when the the and I tweeted out and and you mentioned it how the landscape of the sports. In Indianapolis changed and you mentioned too the the skyline changed yep and there, there have been times that the, the franchise has cringed at the idea that that the stadiums are the buildings that Peyton built because there were more people involved but these were they, they directly trace to Peyton Manning it doesn't happen without him yeah no question and yeah. and, and, and you can take the this the, the extreme approach if not Peyton Manning being here, there very well may not be an NFL team here now. Still, uh, because there were chances to move, and had there not been that that hope of Peyton, and then what was to come, I always go back to you know this was the Bill Polian, the the, the 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 coming of the Bill Polian era, and his first draft choice is Peyton Manning, his second first round draft pick is Edgerrin James, and I always mentioned if when you think you've got it good, it could have been. Ryan Leaf and Ricky Williams. There, <laughs> there, there was controversy or, or, or conversation on who to take. Could you imagine where this franchise would be had it been Ryan Leaf in, in, in Ricky Williams? It, it could very well be in Los Angeles right now.
0: Right, like you said, maybe not even in, in the city. So that was then. This is now a uh, relative... Uh, some news from the Colts this week. They started up uh, off, off-season training. We'll get into that a little bit after our scheduled discussion. Also, a couple of restricted free agents signed their deal. Safety Matthias Farley signs his one-year, $3.1 million deal. Wide receiver Chester Rogers, one-year, $3.1 million. And wide receiver Marcus Johnson, his exclusive rights deal one year, uh, a little bit more than half a million dollars. So those guys we anticipated they all would sign. They all do that's, sign. That's
2: bookkeeping. It, that's, exactly. That's not news, but it's... It's news on a lower level that had to be done.
0: Exactly, but the biggest news this week across the NFL is the fact that the 2019 schedule is out. We already knew which teams the Colts would play. We already knew which teams would be at home or which teams would be on the road, but now we know the dates, we know the times, we know the television networks. Of course, unless teams later in the year, games later in the year are flexed, like we saw with the Colts last year, Titans Week 17 was flexed to a primetime game because it had such drastic playoff implications, but we now know... The Colts' regular season schedule, weeks one through 17, opens up at the L.A. Chargers on September 8th, the 4.05 p.m. game Eastern time, a pair of road games to start things out, a period after the, an early bye week in week six, a period after the bye week where you got four or five at home, and a home stretch where you play a bunch on the road, three of your last four overall. Mike, when you look at this schedule that the Colts have this season, what is your first impression?
2: I went down and just very quickly, win loss win loss win loss. I have it eleven and five, and that's just gut. It's just looking at where they play, who they play. But what jumps out at me is again the open two on the road, first time since '04 uh, for this team. You're saying that's just mean, isn't it? Well, only like six times in franchise history. Yeah. Uh, and and keep in mind this this is a team that's had trouble getting off to good starts, one and five last year. That could have been a lot worse hadn't they. If they hadn't got it turned around, so yeah, means a good word. Uh, I think it's what's the one silver lining is the second game is at Tennessee, <laughs> and they 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 have owned the Titans. They got them in the playoffs last year in Week Seventeen, but uh, the Chargers that's that's tough. And the last time they opened up a season in L.A. it was the Rams. Mm-hmm. Remember that one?
1: I'd rather not. Scott Tolzien would the, rather not. Scott
2: Tolzien's uh, not. swan song, uh, but but. I still look at the schedule. It's a tough opener, but if you split, go one and one, it, it's conducive to getting off to that seven and two start. It really is mm-hmm. because, like you said, you get the, the meat of your schedule in the middle. are home games against teams that you, you they just don't jump out at you as being overly dominant. Right. Atlanta, Oakland, yeah, now Kansas City that's different. But then you got home with Houston, home with Denver. Those are four home games that if you're even remotely as good as you think you you're going to be, you win those.
0: The, the challenge in this schedule is absolutely on the road. The home games they're they're not the most marquee games out of all the home teams. Who the, who are the teams the Colts face at homes? They face the Falcons, the Raiders, the Texans, the Broncos, the Dolphins, the Jaguars, the Titans, and the Carolina Panthers.
2: Who who on there? Do you say? Wow,
0: nobody scares you, right? In that group. Right. I con- contrast the road schedule. You're facing very difficult teams and great quarterbacks on the road. This is going to be a challenging road schedule, no doubt about it. It Starts off week one in L.A. against the Chargers. You're also, of course, on the road against your division teams, the Titans, the Texans, and the Jaguars, and the Texans on the road facing uh, Deshaun Watson, certainly no cakewalk. But other than that, you're at Kansas City, where you were just drummed in the playoffs by Patrick Mahomes. You're at the Pittsburgh Steelers, team that's beaten you five straight times in spite of some changes in their team this year. Ben Roethlisberger's still there. He still led the NFL in passing yards last P- year. People
2: forget that. Yeah. I went back and looked at that, 5,100 yards. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And, and, he's, and he's owned these guys. Uh, but, that one year, that game of several years ago, five hundred and twenty-seven yards, mm-hmm. ridiculous.
1: I mean, Antonio Brown's no
0: longer here, and he's killed the Colts in the past, but they still get Juju Smith Schuster back. I don't think they're going to be as bad as people think. The Steelers they're they're going to probably take a step back without Antonio Brown, but they're going to draft probably another wide receiver. They're going to have Juju as their number one guy, and he's shown that he can really carry that load in the games that they have missed Antonio Brown. So I think they're going to be okay. But continue, It's, it's, Sorry, it's, go it's going
2: to be interesting. Is, is Pittsburgh going to be a team that's better with? Subtraction or addition by subtraction, right? Which is hard to imagine. A team can get rid of a transcendent wide receiver, arguably top five, not arguably, top five in the league, and then a running back who is who's generational. You get rid of those two guys. How how will you go on? They they, they really covered up losing or not having Lev Bell last year with Connor, mm-hmm. but how how will they respond to not having two rare talents? Uh there's three or four teams on his on this roster or on this schedule like that, but Pittsburgh's very interesting. And that
0: that's that's a question they'll certainly have to answer probably before the that would be week uh, nine, I guess, against the uh the Steelers. The Colts play in Pittsburgh. And then your last two games that are on the road that I haven't mentioned yet, December eighth at Tampa Bay, December sixteenth, Monday night at the New Orleans Saints. And that's probably your toughest game on the schedule if that's week uh fifteen at New Orleans, both teams probably fighting either for a playoff spot or playoff position it's going to be tough to go on the road in New Orleans and get a win against Drew Brees and company
2: last time they were in New Orleans it was 62 to 7 another one
0: we'd rather forget the
2: second the second worst loss in franchise history uh so uh it it's it it's tough how good will they be i mean we've we've seen quarterbacks sort of taper and some fall off when does when when does Drew Brees run out of gas when is that i mean we, i think we sort of saw him Wayne a little bit this past year, but it's just it's different when you play these guys on the road. It, again, it's it's a prime time game, and we mentioned the three primetime games, all on the road. Yep. Their last primetime game, Monday and Sunday primetime game at home was two thousand fifteen. The only primetime games at home have been uh the Thursday night games. So that's difficult.
3: And uh, I just wanted to add something that really stands out to me as I think about the Colts as a playoff contender, you know, fighting for position with the other AFC top teams. You got the Chargers week one. You know, week one's always kind of a toss-up. Teams coming into their own. But then the next big game at Kansas City, they have two home games leading up to that. That'll be nice. Uh, So that'll be in good position. Then a bye between Kansas City and Houston which will be nice give the colts a chance to rest at Houston games at home and then two home games Houston and Denver before they go to play Pittsburgh so three of the top you know competition for top playoff spots in the AFC they have pretty good you know schedule leading up to those games
2: you can build into it yeah that's why i say if you can take care of business you know barring injury and if you're playing well you're looking at maybe 7 and 2 when you get out of that home game of Jacksonville, if, if my if my addition's right. But it, it's set up to really put you, yourself in good position to where come middle of November and December, you're not sort of chasing. You're sort of setting the tone. Yeah,
0: that that middle part of the season right after the bye, starting week seven, going through a 9, 10, 11, 12 here, is uh, – home against Houston and Denver at Pittsburgh, home against Miami and Jacksonville. If you can do damage in that part of the schedule, it's going to set you up really nice for the home stretch because the home stretch, like I said, can be challenging. You face three of your last four on the road, including the one at New Orleans, and three of your last four are against NFC South teams. They're foreign teams. They're not teams you usually face. That's just That was weird to me that you face three of the NFC South teams in your three of your last four games. It's just one of those weird things about how the NFL schedule...
2: Uh, came out, I guess. Well, one thing that they have tried to do, and they didn't do this year, other than the Jacksonville game, is they wanted December to be division games. Right? They wanted to maintain that interest of, you know, playoff races and all that. And we don't have that this year. Now, whether what what went into that, I don't know. But generally, it seemed like you play your your NFC teams early, the sprinkled in early, and then again you get back to your division. But uh, again, with Tampa Bay, who knows? They've got quarterback issues. It'll be fun to see Bruce Arians in Tampa, but Carolina, do you know what they've got? Cam Newton's got the sh- shoulder I- issues as well, and we've seen how that can impact a quarterback. And I think did, did he have a cleanup procedure or was it just rest? I can't remember. I think he, was, he had a procedure. I, think he had a I procedure. thought so too. Let me look at it. And it's it's never. I, I don't care. I don't they say well he had yeah. you know, minor surgery. Well no, if, if it's Some minor surgery, it, no surgery is minor. And no surgery on a quarterback's business throwing arm is minor. Period. Period. I I don't care if it's clean up, if it's scar tissue, what it is. So, again, I I think – and, again, as we sit here, whoever we think is going to be really, really good, maybe they won't be now. Kansas City is going to be really, really good Mm. because they are. Houston, I don't know. Again, that, that stretch of four or five at home with the two home games sandwiched around Pittsburgh, that's that's got to be four and one. That's I mean yeah. I realize the team won't look ahead, but again, we can. <laughs> Houston, Denver, Miami, Jacksonville. Those are four teams that are in some form of either rebuilding. Not Houston, but but three of the four are either rebuilding or transitioning. You know, Jacksonville from Bortles to to Foles, uh, and, and the Colts have played Houston well. So uh, I, I think it's it's a tougher schedule primarily because of the quarterbacks you're facing. I don't see Cody Kessler hmm. and Derek Anderson on that list. Right. Yeah. But uh, I, again, I think if if you if if this team takes the next step that you would think a young team would with your quarterback back a second year, this is not that onerous of a schedule.
3: And for the record, Newton did have arthroscopic procedure on his throwing shoulder in January. Um the one thing about all those road games late in the season at least there's no Buffalo snow games coming up. I mean you got at Tampa, at Jacksonville,
0: New Orleans in the dome. So
3: worst
2: case you're going to have what 40 degrees yeah, and rain. Exactly,
0: right. exactly. Yeah. So you got that going for you and you made the good point about the quarterbacks, Mike. I, I'll I'll read this and we can move on but cuz we've kind of touched on it but Matt Eberflus might might stay up at night before some of these games this year because the Colts are facing Five of the top six quarterbacks in terms of the rating that they had last year in 2018 that's Drew Brees, Patrick Mahomes, Matt Ryan, Philip Rivers, Deshaun Watson, and also besides that, the yards leader in Ben Roethlisberger. Also besides that, Cam Newton, who who knows how he's going to be in the Colts. Two not first played. overall picks are yes. Newton and Winston. And, and Jameis Winston, who has put up yards when he has played, no doubt, even though
1: Tampa hasn't performed. Uh, admirably, in well, his and, time and Derek there. Carr,
2: and Derek Carr, and who, who, Derek Carr, who's, who's sort of a wild card in this
1: because who knows how he and he and Gruden are getting along. Who, who performed well against them last year in in right. in Oakland. So so this is this
0: is not an easy schedule, in particular because of the quarterbacks you face, and particular because most of those guys are on the road, save for Matt Ryan, who will who the Colts will play at home, and I guess Cam Newton, who the Colts will play at home, too. So. I was
2: looking at some of the quarterbacks last year. I mean, there, there was Brady, there was Prescott and Eli Manning. There was also Andy Dalton, Alex Smith, Sam Darnold, who had the best game of his career as a rookie, Derek Anderson, who came off the couch, Derek Carr, Blake Portals, Blaine Gabbert, Ryan Tannehill, and Cody Kessler. So it, there's no difference. The, 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 the arms race has increased. And if if the main thing out of that is the, the off season, we'll, we'll see what the draft does. But getting Justin Houston it should address your pass defense, yes. your pass rush, and your coverage against these quarterbacks. He has to. That's why they're paying the big money.
3: And we didn't even mention
2: Nick Foles instead of Bortles twice a year. So that right. alone, maybe the Colts will be thankful that Blake Bortles we, is no we, longer we were, talking, <laughs> we were talking. We were talking. It's the Colts always. Saw the blessed big, they've got to be thinking. What are you guys talking about? This guy isn't a good quarterback. And at the same time, Marcus Mariota, whether injury or performance, he normally plays, or his is worse against these guys. So mm-hmm. you just don't know. But it's a much tougher quarterback dance card this year than it was last year.
0: And the Colts have lost five season openers in a row. They've only won one in the Andrew Luck era since 2012. So. Uh, i certainly hoping to turn that thing around week one, September 8th, in Los Angeles against the Chargels, uh, a vast stadium of 27,000 people.
1: I-, I mentioned it was the StubHub Center. Is it Has it changed names? I thought it did. I, I saw there was another name, um,
0: but I don't know if it was the StubHub Center is the new name or the old name. or That was the old name, okay, but then did, there might... it may have changed. I did see another name for it, uh, Joe. Let's see here. Dignity Health Sports Park. Well, it just rolls right off the tongue, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> All right,
0: No wonder we couldn't remember the right. new name. Well, another, another, another point that I wanted to bring up about this schedule is the primetime games. The Colts have three this season, which is a step up from two last year. And in fact, they really only had one really at had the one beginning one. of the year, right before the last one was flexed. So that's a sign that your team is moving back into prominence a little bit, that NFL executives and television executives want to put you on national television. But an interesting note that I saw from uh, our media partners at the Indie Stars, Nat Newell, brings up that over the last 10 years, even before this year, when all three of these games are on the road, over the last 10 years, the Colts have the lowest percentage of their primetime games played at home. Out of all their primetime games in the last 10 years, only 35.1% of them are played in Indianapolis. I don't think there's anything... uh, specifically from the NFL, saying you don't get home primetime games. They don't like games. Indy? They exactly. They, that, that's not it. But it's just it's just a weird coincidence of how the schedule is played out that, that I'm sure frustrates some Colts fans who want to be at home for these big primetime
2: games, Mike. I was going back and forth with somebody with the team last night, and he mentioned no home primetime games since 2015. Now he was talking Sunday night and Monday night. Not they've had two Thursday night games, uh-huh. which we seem to sort of throw those out. We're talking premier coverage with NBC and ESPN, and it's strange. Uh, I'm a little surprised they didn't maybe have a fourth primetime game with the buzz around the team. They're one of the top, depending on who you look at, odds makers wise, one of the top eight or nine teams going into the season as far as expectations. Mm-hmm. At the same time, they are now, and they're since since Luck got here, they're nine and fourteen in primetime. Yeah, and they've lost four of the last five. Last year, they they won the the uh, last game at, at Tennessee, and they've lost eleven of the last fourteen. And this is a team that you hate to compare quarterbacks with Peyton Manning. They were they were primetime darlings, you know, four, five, six games easily every year. From, from 2000 to 2010 they were 34 and 12 and at one time they, at one point they they won 13 straight on the uh, in prime time so these guys they need to get back to proven you know they're 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 the quote the prime time players because lately that's not been the case
0: so if you have a problem with the nfl giving the colts road prime time games i'll, I'll say win win a game win some games in prime time and then maybe you'll have a little bit more of a say Is hey hey Bring those back to you. Well, and
2: some of them have been you know, last year at New England you get beat 38-24. and seventeen they lose forty-eight to, to eight or forty six to eighteen at Seattle, which was close at halftime. It was until the second half You phew. know, Denver you lose. Uh Tennessee was a close game, but you just haven't played really well. Pittsburgh uh twenty eight to seven in two thousand and sixteen. But it's it's if you're gonna get on the big stage. You, you need to show you you can handle it, and, and there have been reasons. Some of these, whether, whether Andrew Luck's been hurt or whatever, they were zero and three and seventeen on prime time when he didn't play. But I, I'm guessing as as much as we make a big deal out of prime time, and it's a great showcase for your franchise. It is the only, and, and your city mm-hmm. when they come in and out of at commercial breaks. They're showing the skyline. They, yep. they 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 just are. So, but but you you need to show you need to take advantage of them and show you belong and that's winning does that if, if they have another good season this year you'll see more primetime games but when people complain that it's the same teams on primetime it's new england and new orleans and well those, those are you know great now great you can argue with the green bays and dallas always got a lot of games when they weren't very good but when you're not that elite five or six teams you've got to Proved year after year you belong there
0: people still tune in for those games that is why the nfl keeps putting them up even if as you mentioned with dallas and they're down years even if they were down they were still some of the biggest draws every year so they want viewers they want eyes and the cowboys bring those certainly more right. than the indianapolis colts another point about this schedule week six by i'm sure players would like it a little bit further into the season so you could get that time to rest and recharge before the home stretch before
1: your final push for the playoffs week 6 bye, Mike. It's it's kind of early. It
2: it is because like you say you'd like to have it maybe at the end of October maybe, the first of November. I'm not sure how late buys go, but the late generally the later the better because it gives you that chance to deal with injuries uh through September and October and hopefully they're not serious. But then you get to November and people are just beat up because because of the sport. And and this with this you're going to have to deal with the injury issue earlier. That's why I say it, we, we always make a big deal out of who do you open with and how many primetime games. If I'm a player and I'm a coach, when's my bye week? <laughs> That's the first thing you look for. From a coach's point of view, it's probably, it's, when will I have time to shut the team down for seven or eight days and recharge? Players want to know, okay, where when do I have that time to get away for three or four days and go to wherever, visit family or whatever, but the bye week is important. You wish it was a little bit later. Uh, it is where it is, and you just hope that injuries – it sounds terrible. I guess you hope if you have injuries, they hit you earlier rather than later.
0: Yeah, and I would also say to have a bye week after the Kansas City game might be tough because that could be a loss. You would imagine that that game at Kansas City – if you had to go through the schedule, oh, well, maybe it's more likely they lose that game, they win it. So to, to have to sit on a loss would be rough for two weeks. If
2: you talk to players, generally, if you lose or have a bad game, you, you want to get right back out there. Right. The worst thing to have is, let's say they go to Kansas City and they either lose a close game or or, or, or get hammered again, is to sit there and, like you said, stew on it. And then maybe if you meet with coaches and they're showing you that, that tape again, over and over again, mm-hmm. So again, who knows? Maybe maybe they go to Kansas City and and and, and play well, win, upset, yeah, whatever. That'd be great. It, it'd be great. It's just again, it, it, when when your most recent impression is, is the thirty-one to thirteen loss, where it wasn't nearly that close and you weren't competitive. Uh, there'll be hyping into that game. But expectations, it's going to be that the Chiefs are going to roll them again, but that's why they play these.
0: I'm going to make another point about the week six bye. And uh, I thought this was, this was funny, uh, in a sense, and it's just how things work out sometimes. 2006, the Indianapolis Colts had a week six bye. They made the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl was in Miami. Ooh. 2009, the Indianapolis Colts had a week six bye. The Colts made the Super Bowl. Super Bowl was in Miami. Hot take. 2019, the Colts have a week six bye. And the Super Bowl, once again, is in Miami. I like where your head's at. Book your tickets now. <laughs> Colts, Miami bound. And also, in those first two years, this is, this is I think, where we're definitely going to die diverge from the past. But both 2006 and 2009, again, this was just funny to me, that the Colts in the first round drafted a running back. In 2006, they draft Joe Dye, 30th overall. In 2009, they draft Donald Brown, 27th overall.
2: I think that streak will end. That streak yeah. will end. I, one. If they draft a running back... I will eat my shorts. I'll let you in do that. I'll, let, I'll, I'll watch I'll watch you eat your shorts. How about that?
1: Fantastic. Fantastic.
0: Seventh toughest schedule in the NFL overall when you compare it to last year's team records. Um, teams have a about a 52% win percentage um, that the Colts will face this year. And that's in part due to the fact that you're playing the... Uh, AFC South twice, because the AFC South had uh, the Colts winning record, the Titans winning record, the... Probably the best division in the league. Yeah, the Texans winning record as well. And if if there's another division that would have a say in that, it would probably be the uh, AFC West, which the Colts also play this year, with the uh, Chargers and the Chiefs battling all the way down to the final week for who would uh, have win that division or get a buy or whatever it might be. So... Uh, the next two teams, Denver and uh, and Oakland, certainly not on that same level, but the top two teams is is certainly the cream of the crop in the conference, if not uh, the NFL as well. So,
2: yeah, w- one thing people need to realize is the strength the strength of schedule. It's based on last year's records, mm-hmm. which again, who knows? There's, there's always again we talked about. There's always a team that jumps up and falls back that you didn't anticipate. But if you look at the strength of schedule, by and large the teams in your division are close to you in in, in where they are on the strength of schedule because you're playing playing 14 teams that are the same. It used to be that if you played the last-place schedule, you played the first-place schedule, it was a big deal because there maybe were four games different. Now everybody plays in your division. Everybody plays 14 teams that are the same. And the difference is those teams you play based on where you finish in your division against, like this year, the AFC East, Miami and who's at the AFC? Is it the West? Or not the West, but uh, the the North with Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, yeah. So in the in the past there were four games that were different. Now there's only two. So if you look at where these the, the, the strength of schedules, Houston, Tennessee, and Jacksonville are somewhat close to them, generally because of where where you you're playing the same schedule. But uh, but last year the Colts had their the strength of schedule was. Seventh or eighth easiest, I believe it was, mm-hmm. and they took advantage of it. That's what you have to do.
0: No doubt,
1: no doubt.
2: That's our Colts
0: schedule chat for this episode of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. We're certainly going to keep going. Uh, this is not this is not a wrap up in in any sense of the word. Uh, Colts I heard a lot of people clicking
1: off. I, thought, I know. Like, right. No, 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 go? no,
0: no, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, Colts also started their off season training program this week on Monday. We got our first chance to speak with a couple Colts players. Uh, brought in front of us, uh, young men, uh, such as Darius Leonard, Ryan Kelly, Andrew Luck, and, uh... Andrew Luck will certainly get the primary focus of, of our discussion here, as he should. And he did last year, even though he wasn't in front of us. But now, for completely different reasons, Andrew Luck uh, gets our focus. One thing that he said, he said a bunch of things, obviously. He said the word ethos during his time in front every, of us. Every
2: every access Andrew Luck, is, <laughs> it's like, and today's word of the day is... Ethos. Ethos. And it's not like... He forces it? No. That's, that's part of his
1: conversation. It is, completely. But he's, How many
2: times have you used ethos in a sentence? Oh,
1: jeez. Uh, other
2: than this uh, right here. when I'm
0: messing it up and not using it in proper context. But uh, Andrew Luck said it was the best day of my life, his wedding, of course, in the off-season, knew uh, his longtime girlfriend, and also the best off-season I ever had. That's got to make you feel a little tingly going into going into 2019.
2: It's it's funny. I don't know if I'd use the word tingly or not, but upbeat, <laughs> upbeat. But I think my my takeaway from from talking to talking, listening to Luck the first day is he was upbeat. He was optimistic. He was refreshed. And what's funny is he he uh, he could have drawn it could have drawn headlines where he said I haven't thrown a football yet.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That was the case last year. And this is totally different. This is by choice. Now, two cares? That's fine. Right. You you take your time. Yeah. We, we we trust you. So so my takeaway was you're getting a quarterback now who's actually had a a an off season to where he found time to get married. I guess he could have he he could have done that last year. I mean you you find time. But on top of that, he found time to do his dueling discos with Mike Trout. And I think it, without making too much of of what these guys do in their off season, it just shows you. That he feels towards back to being just a quarterback and part of the team, not a guy who's last year at this time hasn't thrown yet, and we didn't know when he would throw. I mean, seriously, and 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 now it's 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 pr- preparation to where he's not balancing rehab and, and learning a new system like he did last year. Now it's it's sort of taking it easy, getting back into it, and learning the system. When they're on the field in two or three weeks, he'll be out there throwing, running, and learning the offense. I just think it bodes well for where he is. So many times when a player misses a season by injury, ACL, quad, whatever, it's not that first season back that you see him really in form. It's that second season back. Now, whether that's different for luck, I don't know. I think it's pretty obvious last year that through much of September – probably through September, we really didn't see him really uncorking it and playing the quarterback position. And then we saw it. So now from the start, we're going to see Luck should be at his best. And people are complaining that they've wasted the first seven years of Luck's career by not doing whatever. This guy's still, the way quarterbacks play, he's still got eight to 10 years, six to eight years to play at a high, high level. So Take care of your business as management, and you can get a better team around him. But the fact that the quarterback is back, recharged, refreshed, I—that's what I took away from his first access with us—is is that he's now just back playing football and not worrying about all the other things. As far as can I throw the football game, because there was a serious question whether he ever could.
0: And we've postulated on this podcast in in the recent past that. Maybe we should expect more out of Andrew Luck in in this year, this second year back from his injury. And um, Frank Reich recently said that he envisioned Luck having a better command of the offense in year two because he has another year of experience under it, no doubt. And that's a question that Luck was asked about specifically. And he said, yeah, I think that has to happen for me. I think for me to take the next steps as a quarterback, certainly, and owning it is probably the appropriate word in command. So I think that's, that's going to be a theme for not just – uh, the off-season program for um, uh, mini camp for training camp for the regular season is Andrew luck owning this offense being vocal with it commanding people on the field being in control and uh, hopefully making more good decisions than bad decisions and increasing his um, increasing his ability to execute Frank Reich's system
2: there will always be those plays still because this is Andrew luck that you're gonna scratch your head? He calls them knucklehead plays, and I think you have to live with that. It, it's 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 like living with Brett Favre on, on a different level because Favre was just the gunslinger, right? And Luck is not, but he's going to make those. I can't think who the who the throw was against last year where he threw it. Luck, luck, like he was thrown out of bounds and it was an interception.
0: I think it was either Tennessee or Houston. Gosh, Never mind that. I, I have, <laughs> what, 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 what,
2: Samsonite. You're probably I was right. way Whatever. Off. But, it was but later it, in the season. Yes. But you're going to have those plays where you're thinking, well, again, it's like you want to stop the game and say, okay. Walk me through what you were thinking. But at the same time, you've got a quarterback who's, who who threw 39 touchdowns to a group of receivers that the casual fan, they threw touchdowns to 13 players last year, and non-Colts fans could probably name four of them, five of them. <laughs> and to do that, it, it shows you how he, the the truly elite players in any sport, any sport you want to name, the 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 elite players elevate players around them, make them better, and that's what Manning did. That's what Brady does. You know, n- name Tom Brady's top ten co- uh, receiver since he's been there, not named Gronk and people and, and Randy Moss. So I I think again, keep in mind that he did this all last year, not having thrown until mid June, mm-hmm. not having thrown with his teammates until late July. So although they may have thrown out in the West Coast a little bit, but but now you're going to have all the offseason, six or seven weeks of throwing to Devin Funches and, and Deion Kane mm-hmm. and people like that. So I, I think to, to expect more from him is realistic, and, and he should give you more this year.
0: I think Jabbar Gaffney might sneak into that top ten wide receivers that, that Tom Brady has thrown to.
2: Well, and, and the elements <laughs> and all that. But but, but, but by and large, th- these are not Hall of Fame players. They're, right. not, they're not Pro Bowl players right. for the most part. And again with, with the Marcus Johnsons and Chester Rogers and Pascal and, and people like this, you're gonna have a better group around him, at least on paper. You you hope to get more out of Chester Rogers, you hope to get, you know, another season of advancement from Pascal. And who knows what they they're really Frank Reich is really bullish on Devin Funches. Mm-hmm. He what is he, 225? Huge. Yeah. It's what they've not They've had big receivers before. Just not, not very this good. Big. Just well, but but the guys that were big, they weren't very good. Okay. Uh but but no, but so so it gives them a different uh uh component to of the offense and like we talked can, can Eric Ebron do it again? I want to see that. Jack Doyle uh when he's healthy is just quality. So uh in the running game should be better. We've talked about that last week about how they want a better running attack. Well, then run the ball more. Mm-hmm. You know, so so I think they would like to do that. So it's all about when you've got the quarterback, which they've got, it's about making the team around him. Let's just talk offense, making that team better around him. And they did with the offensive line last year, and they need to do that in a couple of spots this year.
0: Colts got the quarterback of the defense squared away in last year's draft, seems like Darius Leonard. We spoke to him uh, as well in this first session of uh, of the offseason program. And it was funny because uh, Leonard, even though he's in his second year, uh, he walked in. He he told the story. He walked into the building, and Jabal Sheard still says to him, "Hey, Rook," because you know what? You still need three games in this season to technically earn that year in terms of your your veteran status in the NFL. So he kind of like laughed it off a little bit. Still a little bit of a rookie until until you get a couple games into this year.
2: And I think it's important to, for him to stay as humble as possible, considering all that came his way. I agree. And 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 we'll see. I, I get the impression he will. He still has that ch- chip on his shoulder. The league did a great service to the Colts by not naming him to the Pro Bowl.
1: Mercifully, yes. So he can
2: say, you know, what, what? So now that that can be something he strives for. Although that all that does is reaffirm the lack of credence to guys who have six or seven Pro Bowls on on their on their resume. But again, can, can he take that next step? I, I don't think he did anything last year to make you think that he can't do it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so again, if now whether he leads the league in tackles or, or whatever, I don't know. But I thought he came in and did what you, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. I guess as far as spectacular, it was just steady every game, making plays that make a difference. If he can be one of your defensive cornerstones, you can't say Justin. Houston is a defensive cornerstone because he's going to be here probably yeah, don't think two so. years, right? But you know the Malik Cookers and people like that. We'll see about Clayton Gathers. But this is how you build a defense is by by drafting guys second round, third round, Malik Cooker first round, and having them be in, in five years. We're still, we're still talking about them. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're talking about Bjorn Werner, who's no longer here or in the league. People like that. So this this is how you build a team. This is how you build. A defense, and that's why when we talk more extensively about the draft is do they really go gung-ho again on defense or still on defense or where do they go, but you see some good pieces in place on defense. Uh, one thing that
0: Darius Leonard also said, talking about goals throughout the offseason to be ready once the season started, he said he really pointed out to one specifically was to get his body right and drop a little bit of weight. He came into last year 234 pounds, which, I mean, if you go back 10 years as a small linebacker in the NFL, but now he's, he wants to be even smaller. He's at 221 right now, and that's kind of where he wants to stay. doesn't go want to go above 225. Again, Ten years ago, this is this would be completely foreign, but in today's NFL... twenty to one, could be a strong safety. Exactly. that That's that's my point. And, but but he's your he's your linebacker. He's your will linebacker, and he's going to be sticking his head everywhere and trying to make plays at the line of scrimmage and trying to cover uh, DeAndre Hopkins coming out on, on a slant route, so that gives you a little bit more speed to keep it's, up with It's the probably bid. smart not to do that a lot. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree completely. We just saw it last year. I right. want to bring it up. So so we, we see a little bit of a lighter version of Darius Leonard, so hopefully he is just as fleet of foot and, and quick as it was in the past. But still, if you do that, you're going to have to learn how to get off blocks better. Because that's another thing that he mentioned. He wants to be able to get off blocks better and not quite engage with the block quite as well or quite, quite as long, specifically. And if you're, if you're lighter, that's going to be tougher. So you're going to have to be a little bit more shifty to not give the offensive lineman your numbers to hit every time.
2: Well, And this is a defense, too, not designed to where the, the defensive linemen necessarily tie up blocks their jobs to get upfield and create right. problems. So there may be more times where the linebacker has to get off blocks and, and make plays on his own. Yeah, I remember talking, I think it was at the end of the season, when we talked to Darius Leonard, and I think he said he played against Kansas City at 215. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, and let's keep in mind, he, there was a stretch last year. He missed one game and was hampered in a couple more by, a, I think it was an ankle injury. So all that he did last year – he was still nicked up, which, you know, which player isn't nicked up for the most part during a season. But I just think there's every reason to think that you're going to get more from him. You're going to get more from, you know, from the draft class last year, Quentin Nelson, you know, he's only going to get better And Braden Smith. he, He played tackle half the year. I mean, as far as concentrate on tackle half the year, the rest of the, his learning process was at guard for the most part. So, there's every reason to think that the people and Ryan Kelly. They, they, Ryan Kelly came out there on Monday as well, and this is a big season for him. He's, he's going into his contract year. Although right. the, t- the team's going to, at worst, they're going to give him the fifth year extension. At best, they give him an extension, extension to a where deal, deal, yeah, a deal which, which to me make if, if you think he's your center for the future, which you do, I would, you imagine. do, so, <laughs> yeah. You know, and we've talked to. I, I do the same thing with Costanzo. If he's my left tackle in in three years. Then you, you you extend him now, but uh, I I just think again it's so many key positions that they've got people in place, and we can argue Justin Houston being that short term guy. So they just, they still need a, a pass rush of the future. But uh, when you when you see the bring the people they bring out early, Luck he's, he's your quarterback for the next ten years should play at a high level. Uh, Ryan Kelly who who when he's played you know he's played at a high level. Pro Bowl level last year, though, he's, he's had a few injury issues. And Darius Leonard, it, it's a great core that they're putting together. The offseason work is 10
0: weeks long in the program, broken down to three phases. Phase 1 and 2, which the Colts are in now, just strength and conditioning training. There's no on-field work, so this is really basic stuff to get people in shape for the long haul. Uh, phase 2 to three. Uh, phase two is three weeks rather of um, individual and position work. You can't do offense versus defense. You kind of work with your own individual. You can't run routes against DBs. Right. Phase three is a little bit more on intense on field work. That's seven on seven. That's nine on seven. That's 11 on 11. Offense versus defense. That includes the three-day mandatory mini camp in mid-June. So all that stuff coming up. We're just in phase one right now where you just get in. You're meeting back up with everyone again. A lot of familiar faces in that building from last year. Not a ton of people. A few people did. Obviously, it's the NFL. There's always turnover a little bit from season to season. But like you mentioned, Mike, it's there's a lot of people in important positions and key spots that are back that will be back. And now is just the first time to get people, uh, I guess, all back together, get the band back together and get, and get set for another set coming up this year. But you will add a couple people for sure to this group that is already. Assembled at West 56th Street because, as we mentioned earlier, the NFL draft is next week, just seven days away. Next Thursday, round one of the draft begins from Nashville, Tennessee. Our own Chris Hagen will cover it for Fox 59 CBS 4, but we, of course, will break it down for you here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast a little bit now, a little bit more next week as well. We'll really dive into the draft next week since we'll uh, tape it, I assume, next Wednesday and get it out before the draft on Thursday. But, um, you never know with with some pre-draft visits, which is what, what we want to talk about right now, do, do teams go out and they meet all the guys they're really interested in, or do you go out and meet guys that you're kind of interested in because you don't want everyone in the league to know who you're interested in? Sometimes it's a little bit of both. You'll meet guys that you're really interested in, or you won't meet guys that you are really interested in because you don't want to tip off other teams, that, you're, that you like those guys. So it's a little bit of a mixture of both. I want to open that bag before we dive into this. But you can tell a couple things still by the type of players and the positions of players, at least, that you're meeting with. Um, some pre-draft visits for the Colts. I, I, I first want to point out uh, Joe's boy, Terry McLaurin, uh, Ohio State cathedral wide receiver so joe is all on board with seeing terry mclaurin first round right <laughs>
3: first
1: round pick just like mel kuyper jr says who was your boy the tight end
2: too? you had a tight end that you were uh, in
3: love with foster moreau okay. he has not worked out with the Colts, oh, but maybe boy. that's just because they like him so much exactly, they don't the smoke wanna... screen exactly they're, yeah. gonna, they're
2: gonna take him about 26 aren't they <laughs> let's hope not i don't like him that much all right
0: but um one position the colts have brought in a bunch of players at his defensive end. Let's see, we have five people right now that we've, uh, we've learned that the Colts either have had pre-draft visits, met at Pro Day, all that stuff. Um, a couple guys who are more um, more top-end talent is Rashad Gary out of Michigan, had an on-campus visit with the Colts. Um, defensive end Brian Burns out of Florida State. Um, on the Chris Sims podcast, Burns pointed out that uh, probably the Colts have shown the most interest in him. He had dinner with them. Uh, he met them at the Combine. Uh, got on board with them a little bit. If Brian Burns falls to the Colts, oh. I, I would be you, you scoop him up in my in my opinion. He, yeah, he's a great talent. I don't know if he'll get past the top twenty because I, I think. I think a stat that I saw on Burns this year was just the percentage of pressures that he had on pass rushes was the highest in college football. Either that or it was the highest, certainly, of this class that's coming out. But on pass plays, he puts more pressure on the quarterback than almost anybody does.
3: Oh, yeah. If the Colts liked Kamoko Ture, they're going to love Burns because he's the version of Kamoko that stayed healthy and was productive in college. Um athletic freak the only concern about burns is his strength and power once he's engaged in a block he struggles to get off of it so he's pure speed and athleticism he does have a nice set of moves and we've seen in the past you know freeney and mathis were not the greatest run defenders but yes. they got to the quarterback
0: and, and mathis specifically I mean, he's I, i'm not I'm not going to say robert mathis is weak you're not going to hear that coming out of my mouth either on, on the podcast or behind the scenes anywhere but strength was not his his strong suit. It was deception. It was that spin move. It was the elbow to the back on the spin move, knocking somebody off balance. And uh, and if if you're not the strongest defensive end, you can still be the most prolific defensive end. So just because you hear somebody is I don't want to say lacking in strength again, but just not as strong as the elite prospects up there, that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be among the elite prospects. So um, other defensive ends that the Colts have uh, have met with, Louisiana Tech's Jalen Ferguson had a pre-draft visit, and then a couple of TCU who met at Pro Day there. Um, they're two defensive ends that are coming into the draft. Um, wide receivers, a trio of wide receivers. We mentioned Terry McLaurin, Joe's boy, or not Joe's boy, as the case may be. Um, also, A.J. Brown out of Ole Miss had a formal meeting with him at the Combine, a top 40 visit. Um, A.J. Brown, certainly a name that I've seen on several uh, mock drafts about whether the Colts might select him near the end of the first round or the beginning of the second round. And, Mike, we've said even though the Colts have Devin Funches, if they take a wide receiver at the end of the first round or beginning of the second, that would not be a surprise.
2: No, I saw some, somebody mentioned one of the better-known uh, draft experts said don't be surprised if no receivers go in the first round. Mm-hmm. Now, I would, be, I would be surprised if that happens, but from talking to Chris Ballard to Combine, I got the impression he thinks that this is a really good receiver draft just not a first round receiver draft. Okay, so I, I I wouldn't be the bit the least bit surprised if second round one of those second round picks is a receiver. I'm sticking with the idea that defensive line, receiver, safety in some form or some order with those first three picks. I just think if the talent falls to where you need, you know, the Abram kid, the safety from uh, what Mississippi State. Yep. Would they take two safeties in the last what, three years, four years when you put Millie Cooker in there? as a first-round pick, I don't know. But the one good thing about where they are with the roster is there's no, we've got to come out of the draft with this, addressing this position. So you, you, they, they could really go with, you know, maybe they've got a, a guy, whether it's again, whether it's a defensive tackle, whether it's a receiver, a safety, they can go in a lot of different directions with that first-round pick and address what's not a glaring need. Where in years past they, you said we've got to you know we've got to come out out of this draft with a center we just have to mm-hmm. so you're not in that position now because the roster is getting to where it needs to be.
0: I'll, I'll make this point and then I'll make it make it quick that I, I'll admit that I'm biased. I love safeties, man. I do. I grew up in Philadelphia area where Brian Dawkins was king and and for years and years was just dominant. I loved watching him play, so I love seeing great safety play. So seeing Malik Hooker is is, is just gold for me. And if you pair him with somebody. Like a Jonathan Abram who, who is, could be that elite duo in the back in in the deep secondary, I, I would love it if I was a Colts.
3: Is fan. It, he
2: considered sort of a Bob Sanders type of guy? He's a Sanders Dawkins
3: in the box, gonna absolutely take your head off type of player. Um, I've actually seen the Colts tied to him a lot. They seem to really like this guy. The Colts defensive backs coach actually um, had him, you know, performing drills at their pro day in Mississippi State. So. I would not be shocked at all if Pick 26 is Jonathan Abrams.
0: No one would be happier than our own Chris Hagan, a Mississippi State proud proud bulldog.
2: It's, it's amazing how uh, there's always Mississippi State connections. Always. You know, I, I think they're just trying to snuggle up to Chris for some <laughs> reason. But but that's what, uh, again, to, to do that, it, it just makes sense to try to solidify that defense with, with talent, with high end talent. And uh, safety, that's why I say we've talked about off-season moves and will that impact the draft. Does Justin Houston keep you from drafting a pass rusher? It shouldn't. Does Devin Funches keep you from drafting a receiver? It shouldn't. Mm -hmm. It's a one-year deal. Clayton Gathers, you get Clayton Gathers re-signed. You get Matthias Farley re-signed. Does that keep you from addressing a position? It shouldn't. So, Because, again, the fact that you gave Funches and and Gathers one-year deals it sort of shows you the, your level of commitment to them, I guess, mm-hmm. or faith in them. So I just don't think anything they've done in the offseason should change. Whatever their initial plans were, draft plans were, I don't think that the free agency has done anything to impact that.
0: Some more players in the secondary that either the Colts are meeting with or we've seen reports drawing interest in uh, Evan Washington, a safety out of Colorado, more of a late-round pick. Corner safety, Amon Marshall out of USC, brought him in for a pre-draft visit and workout. Uh, Kadar Holman out of Toledo, Isaiah Wharton from Rutgers, uh, met him at the Rutgers Pro Day. Uh, so there, there's a lot of people there in the secondary that the Colts have brought in for these visits or are interested in. Mike, we, we've talked about the secondary. It seems like more than anything else, except maybe save defensive line, edge rusher. That, that is certainly an area that, that we anticipate we will see some some dra- more than one, I would say, uh, draft pick. In next week's draft, some some safety, some corner, maybe a little bit of both. Certainly
2: more
1: than one. And but with nine pictures, you sort of you have the ability to do that.
2: Well, and the ability and, and the need because they're they're going to draft an offensive lineman. Yes, just because you, you always, always do. you always do, you're going to draft a linebacker or two. They drafted three linebackers last year uh, with, with the two in the seventh round and, and Darius Leonard. You're going to draft and you, and you draft DBs because. Maybe it's a top-end guy that can be a starter or a key backup, but often those guys are are the the, the core special teams players. And you need those guys. You Linebacker, need those gunners. Linebackers and and DBs are are, are the core of your coverage. So uh, with nine picks and you know we know he's, Chris Ballard is going to make a deal or two during the draft. Likely so. Yes. So what do they get? You know, what they have eleven picks last year. Uh, the more picks. It just gives you the chance. It, it it allows you to miss on a guy, as long as it's not your first or second round pick. But uh, I just think this is a guy. Remember his his quote that's going to live with us. I love them picks, <laughs> and he does. And that's and that's sort of the confidence that Chris Ballard has in in he and his personnel staff is you give them enough picks and they're going to find players. They truly, truly have confidence that they're going to find. If you have 10 draft picks, you're going to find seven players. And, and, and that's the way they want to build this team, and that's what you have to do.
0: Certainly did in the 2018 draft. Now just try to follow up with it in 2019 for yeah, sure. Good luck with that. Yeah. A couple offensive linemen uh, with meetings as well. Caleb McGarry out of Washington. Nate Davis out of UNC Charlotte. Uh, tight ends, uh, Jake Sternberger, Jace Sternberger, excuse me, I met multiple times, quote, at the Combine uh, out of Texas A&M. Donald Parham out of Stetson uh large man six eight that is a big tight end could be an undrafted guy uh really raw I and mean, he's from Stetson for crying out loud so of course the the talent that that he is facing is not the most elite but still you catch 85 balls get 13 touchdowns your senior year that's not too shabby um another Mississippi State connection Nick Fitzgerald who worked out as a tight end at pro day ran routes out there he's a big dude 6'5, 226, a four six forty yard dash um, once again, you point to things that Frank Reich has done in the past, and in Philadelphia, Trey Burton was a college quarterback before he transitioned to tight end at the University of Florida. He went to UF initially as a quarterback, was a big dude, then became a tight end. So that's a guy who, again, made a rather important play in the Super Bowl win over the Patriots with his arm. So the Philly special passed to Nick Foles was Trey Burton, former college quarterback, Nick, Nick Fitzgerald, former college quarterback, Tight end.
3: We did see Ebron throw that pass to Luck. We did. It was in, just so. out of his reach, and <laughs> Luck dove
1: for it.
0: Uh, he
3: it went was
1: for so it. close. So that would have been. Uh, that we, would have d- been
2: we don't need to see Andrew Luck because the the one that he got hammered on was uh, from Jacoby Brissett. Right. We don't need to see that too often. No, it's one of those you say, hey, wait, wait to stretch and all that, show your toughness. I don't, want to don't do it again. I don't want to see my
1: quarterback <laughs> exposed more than he has to be. Don't do it again. Linebackers Curtis Akins out of Memphis met
0: him at pro day. Linebacker Justin Phillips out of Oklahoma State met him at pro day. And uh, then a pre-draft visit. We've mentioned this name before is Jeffrey Simmons, a top ten talent out of Mississippi State again. Uh, but due to his injury status, probably a top fifty pick in well, it depends on your it depends on what you see at the pre-draft visit. It depends on what your medical guys say, it depends on how that I think it's the ACL is repairing. So, yeah, it depends
2: on whether you want to b- draft a guy first round yeah. that may not play as a rookie.
1: And yeah. those are questions that are beyond my pay grade. So th- th- that's Chris Ballard's pay grade, and, and
0: his pay grade is better than mine.
3: And, uh, something interesting I do want to point out, I mean, they hosted uh, Josh Jacobs, who a lot of people have the top running back in the draft, and Miles Sanders out of Penn State, who a lot of people have as the second best. Does it surprise you guys at all that they're looking at some of the high-profile running backs in this draft?
0: Here's what I would I would say, yes, it surprises me because I think they're good at running back. I like the running backs that they have. That That's just personal, though. I'd say it doesn't surprise me because they've brought in several veteran running backs. So based on my understanding of their running back room, it surprises me. But based on what they are doing this offseason, it doesn't surprise me, if that makes any sense, Joe.
3: Yeah, I mean, they seem to prioritize the running back position this offseason with bringing guys in. Um, And why not see if one of the top guys is worth a high pick?
2: And and there's so much misinformation, and we've had that in the past here. I don't think Chris Ballard would have wasted one of their top 30 picks or visits on a running back just to to blow smoke. So there has to be some interest there. But one one thing that I I will caution people on, and I wish I could remember in my head which players it's been, there have been four or five prominent players drafted by the Colts that had no idea the Colts were interested in them. There was very little contact at the combine. There was very little contact at the pro at their pro day and they didn't didn't come in for a visit. And then, lo and behold, they're, they're picking the first or second round. I can't remember whether Ryan Kelly was one. I just can't remember, but some teams will stay if they really, really like a guy. Now they, they, they didn't hide their, their affection for Quentin Nelson last year. Right. That, that was known from the start. But there have been times where you really like a guy and, and you just stay away from him.
3: Well, and part of it is, you know, they bring these guys in the, when they have questions about him. If they have everything they need to know about a guy, why waste, why, would you? why waste a visit on him? And then one more point I want to make before we wrap things up is with the receivers, you got A.J. Brown, one of the top receivers in the draft. Mm-hmm. Terry McLaurin, who's, you know, second to third round. Your boy. My, I do like him. I do like him. I'll take it. He's my boy. Let's go, Terry. Your boy. And then uh, Penny Hart, who's a late-round guy. That kind of shows you the Colts aren't locking into having to draft a receiver early. I-, I can see them drafting one in the first round. I could see them not drafting one until, like, round four. It Really, they're going to play their board and see where the value is in this draft.
2: The only question I would have with that is why would you – if you don't go early because you think this guy can play and help you right away, why would you go 5th or 6th round? Because you've got Reese Fountain. You've got Deion Kane. Steve Ishmael. <laughs> Sorry, Steve, I couldn't. Steve Ishmael from what, – What college was that again?
1: Syracuse University.
2: You've got these guys. You've got Creshawn Hogan. You've got Pascal, You've got Chester Rogers. You've got Marcus Johnson. You've got guys who – Deion Kane's almost a draft pick. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know why – Unless somebody is just in the fifth or anything, holy, I can't believe he's still there. Kind of like Kane was last year in the sixth round. Perhaps. But unless it's that guy, I I wouldn't throw a late-round draft pick at a guy. Just We need a receiver because you've got a lot of developmental-type guys or or guys you think could be pretty good. To me, if they're going to get a receiver, it's going to be early, first three picks, because I, I like the group they've got as far as top to bottom, except that, I need that guy to be better at number 2 than what I think they've got. And I'll I will see make, what you're saying. And
0: I'll make one more point about the running back. Circle that to that before before we wrap it up. If they do take a running back in the first round, guys, Super Bowl bound. <laughs> That's right. Like it has been in the past. 2006, 2009, Week 6 by Super Bowl in Miami. Joe and I,
2: forget that, and you will remind us in December. I absolutely will.
0: That is the Colts Blue Zone podcast, talking Colts' schedule for 2019, talking the first week of the off-season program Next week we will dive head first once again into the draft. Maybe a little mock action, maybe a little uh, more analysis about different players that we see. You got your mock yeah, draft done yet, Joe? Uh it's gonna be out next week. Next week, online fox com, cbs4indi.com. Be sure to look out for that from Joe Hopkins at Roto Street Joe. He is Mike Chapel at mchappell 51 I am Dave Griffiths at Dave G underscore sports. This is the at Colts Blue Zone podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next week.